Well, hello there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tarvalon. Have a cup of tea. Or maybe a frothy ale. The light. Why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. So I'm just, I feel, this morning I feel like mildly scattered. Um. <laughs> do you want to read through the intro? We can do like a practice run of the intro real oh, quick. Oh, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like if I, if I just like sit here for a moment and kind of like stare at you for a second, without <laughs> <saying> anything. <laughs> My white angelic lighted face that you can't see. I mean, it's already dark here. I know. Oh my God. It's so, I just don't know what to do with this. Without a light, I'm still ghostly. You you are. In fact, you're almost more ghostly. Yeah. That at least gives you a little bit of color. Does it? <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> I scoot back? Nothing. Why is it doing this? That's so bizarre. Oh, well. Oh, well. I'm just okay. gonna, I'm just going to think of you as lit with, from within, angelic. Just call me, just call me Angel Face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> angel Face Amber. Oh, I can angel, do that. Angel face. Okay, <laughs> should I start? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello and welcome back. I'm here with my friend Tracy. I'm here with my friend Amber. And this is the Road to Tarvalin, a Wheel of Time podcast. Before we get into today's episode, we wanted to talk a little bit about what we have planned for the future. The with future! Wheel, the future! <laughs> in the future. Should be like echoey there. Maybe That's I'll what find, I felt like too. <laughs> Maybe I'll find a sound effect. <laughs> Let's do it again and both say future at the same time. Do you yeah. want to? Okay. Okay. In the future! Future, future, future. <laughs> We're excited about it, like in case in case you can't tell. Um, so, with the Wheel of Time TV show approaching, we wanted to create a series for new readers and diehard fans. And like when I was talking about this with my with like my son, and I think with you as well, um, like I'm always pushing this series on people. Like just listen, just read it, and like give it a chance. Yeah, and I feel like a like what we're putting together will be a good thing to like direct people towards to like. These are some things that you should know that won't give the series away. Anyway, so we've been working out an idea that uses a split format. Like with our book recap episodes, we will start each episode with a spoiler-free first half, then follow up with deeper discussions, impacts, and theories in the second half. I love this. I'm really excited. Yes. Mm -hmm. So we are going to go through a wide range of topics like characters, nations, nationalities, prophecies, deep dives, and then we're going to call it the Westland 101 series. <laughs> this way, <laughs> yeah, this way we My can take a closer look at the world Robert Jordan created and then still have these deep dive discussions about things before the show hits. Mm-hmm. And my academic brain couldn't resist the idea of giving it, like, a course 101. title. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah, I think we even talked about doing, like, a, like, maybe we'll have to do a 201, what, like, series that'll be, like, for... Meta. 
Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like things that we won't have to worry so much about avoiding. Yeah, so like the 101s could be spoiler-free and have, you know, spoilery discussions afterwards. Mm-hmm. 102 would be like we're getting we're getting into this. So, yeah. Yeah. new readers back yeah. out. <laughs> back out now. <laughs> we love you and we want you to love this series, but you're not ready for this yet. <laughs> <laughs> You have to work your way up. That's how it works. So when we first started the podcast, this is one of the things we were really excited to do. And we kind of, like, we started with New Spring kind of, like, to test things out and see how we felt about creating a podcast. Kind of cut our teeth on New Spring. Yeah. And I think we did okay. Yeah. (laughs) I definitely, I definitely see the progression if I go back and listen to some of the first New Spring episodes. I'm like, oh, baby. Yeah. Um, So I went back and actually listened to, and I I know I told you about this, but I think it's so funny. I listened to our first recording, like our first test recording that we did together, because I thought it might be kind of fun to release at some point in the future to like share where we've come from with the people who listen to us and I was just like I don't know if I can do this this is (laughs) babies it's just it's so it's so funny maybe someday it will find its way out there but for now I was just like nope I'm just gonna keep pushing like the good stuff that we're doing yeah we've definitely I, I've seen definite changes from when we started New Spring to, for example, our wrap-up. Mm-hmm. I I love our wrap-up of New Spring. I think it's one of my favorite episodes to listen to. Yeah. And you can tell we've, we've, come, we've come a long way. So mm-hmm. that was kind of us trying to test out the split, you know, format mm-hmm. to try and get the things that we wanted there in the beginning, if you just wanted to recap the books with us. Mm-hmm. And then later on, obviously, you really want to talk about how these chapters coincide with what's going on throughout the entire series. So it's mm-hmm. really hard to just keep things split in a way. But at the same time, it's been really fun trying to test it out, I guess. Yeah. And being able to be appealing to more than just um, people who have read the entire series. Because, I mean, a lot of people are finding this series for the first time still, which is so exciting. Um, and I don't want to miss out on them getting extra tidbits of information because I know that's what I would want. And so when, like, I look at creating content, I'm like, what, what would I want to see if I were a first-time right. listener or reader? It's really, really hard if you are somewhere in the middle of the books and mm-hmm. you're, you want that information, but at the same time, you don't want to go onto the internet and look up anything because it is just... Oh, it's spoiler nation. <laughs> yeah, it's so hard. Tracy and I both spoiled like massive plot points for ourselves accidentally so yeah we know we, we know, know what it's like <laughs> yeah today will be our first character 101 and we are starting with a lesser known character that we both love yay you guys this should be really easy for anyone to figure out it's Laris, mistress Laris. of the kitchens to the white tower of course we're gonna do Laris first of She's- course we are She's an amazing character and definitely someone that gets overlooked, I, I would say. 
Yeah. And I've been feeling especially Lars-like recently. I know I haven't been posting a lot of pictures, but it's because I've been too busy baking. Um, <laughs> All the I've, goods. Yeah. I've made sugar cookies and, like, did the, the whole, like, royal icing flooding thing for the first time. And it's time-consuming, but also really kind of, like, meditative in a way. Um, but, Soothing. yeah. Yeah, Soothing. lots of lots of time in the kitchen recently, which I really enjoy. Like that's why I like her so much. I know she doesn't appear to do a lot of cooking in the kitchen, but she must be a good cook to oversee all of the things that like <laughs> We just well, don't get t- we don't get a lot of time with her while yeah. she's cooking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's always I mean, in the kitchen, but that's another thing that I'm I'm always curious about is like where did where did her experience come from that she becomes mistress of the kitchen to the White Tower? Because I bet those Aes Sedai are picky as fuck about what they eat, you know? Right. And not just, like, the Aes Sedai, but if she's responsible for the kitchens and she's responsible for feeding everyone in the White Tower, like, mm-hmm. servants, groomsmen, people that are, like, you know, just She has to be really clerks. good at delegation. Yeah. Uh, so... I like Robert Jordan's connection to history. I love that his history geek flag flies proudly. Like, it makes my little heart so happy. But for me, he really touches on, like, the high, late Middle Ages to roughly the period of King Henry VIII. And I know there were other monarchs at the time. I get it. But come on. It's Henry VIII. He's – we all know him. Yeah, if you're going to throw a name out there, that's, you know – I feel I feel like that's pretty safe. Like I feel like you instantly conjure up an idea of like what that time period more or less was made of. But anyway, I think of the the kitchens and Hampton Court Palace, which I've only seen in documentaries. Someday I will actually get there. But like they're just so they are massive. Like those big fires where they roast meat are ginormous. And like there are places where the kitchens of the White Tower are talked about where, like, people are, like, able to crawl into the fireplaces to clean them where they roast meat because they're so, so big. big. Like, and Lars has got a big yeah, job. Yeah, and she's feeding an army. This isn't just, you know, I'm going to make a nice cake for the Amerlin today. It's right. You're feeding hundreds and hundreds of people, all of the novices, mm-hmm. all the accepted you know, all of the Aes Sedai, Every the servant. other servants that work within the tower, and it's going to be a huge, you know, it's just massive amounts of food coming through. Think of how much bread they have to bake in, like, one day. Right? So it's not yeah. just her cooking, but she's has to, she has to be very good at delegation as well because she's not mm-hmm. going to be doing all of this herself. So she's really, yep. you know, the woman in charge here. Yeah. And when you said, <laughs> I'm okay, my historical geek flag is about to fly proud. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you said like all the bed that, bread that has to be baked in a kitchen. I obviously do a lot of baking. There were no ovens like we think of ovens. And so based off of how they talk about how other food is cooked, my – guess is that if they were making bread they were doing it in like the way that would have been done in the Tudor times which would be to have almost like what the like wood fire pizza yeah get yeah cooked in. like, Does like that these make stone yeah. ovens basically exactly but you would like you would 
take what was at the time called a faggot, like a group of sticks held together, mm-hmm. and you would set it on fire, and you would put it in there, and then you would close that up. And when it was hot enough inside there, you would scrape all the ashes out and then put your bread in there and then put the door back on in front of it. And people would take leftover dough and put it around the edges of like that little door that would cover the oven. And when the edges of that bread was done, you knew your bread on the inside was done too. Brilliant. That is so, (laughs) yeah. And it's so much work to do just one loaf of bread, just one, maybe two loaves of bread at a time. Like, it's a lot of work. So, Laris, Laris, so many props. Yeah. <laughs> and this, I think, too, this gets a lot into, like, her attitude and how she's kind of seen as harsh. But think, if she's making all of this work and getting it all done and delegating, you do this, you clean that, you know, it's not just baking, it's who's cleaning all of this who's making sure that mm-hmm. everything's coming out on time you're feeding an army so yeah and how often do we see our characters unwrapping their hard cheese and smoked meat and little wax paper you know it's just it's a whole different world and we, mm-hmm. we really appreciate Laris. she's she's just a badass <laughs> yeah she really, really, really is, and you just don't even – she's so unassuming, you know? Like, you don't really think about her as being, like, this badass character, but I do. And, Tracy, <laughs> you have a Twitter connection to Laris. Yes, yeah. So, Laris my, – my Twitter handle is at Mistress Laris, and I know I'm not on Twitter a lot. I just have – I'm baking too much right now. Like, that's really what it comes down to. But I promise I'm taking pictures along the way, and I will be traveling to South Carolina tonight with my family, and I'm going to just, like, send out a slew of photos. While yeah, I and if you're on our Discord, like, you'll you'll see them there. 12 hours. <laughs> yeah, definitely to the Discord, too, because it's just been, like, I don't – anyway – I really enjoy baking. It's what I like doing, and I really enjoy cooking, too. So I feel, if you're really connected. I wish I had a team of novices to clean up my kitchen, though. That'd be pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) You there. I need my cast iron skillet clean. The big one, not the small one. Scrub those floors. Get to it. I don't want to hear any back talk. I'll wash your mouth out with soap. (laughs) (laughs) Don't make me use the spoon. Yeah, exactly. I think for me, the reason I'm interested in Laris is just there's so many characters in the Wheel of Time series. And when I'm starting out, mm-hmm. she was someone that I overlooked. And it wasn't until later yeah. on in the series that I started having questions about her. So mm-hmm. so I did like a, just a, a short kind of who is she? Yeah. If we for like, new I, readers, I like this is just her. kind of a nice recap, so you kind of get to remember who she is and what she does. Yeah, yeah, and I know like we've already kind of like talked about her and everything, but when I when I write, I'm just a little bit more concise than when I'm trying <laughs> to just say words. Lars is one of those background characters capable of stirring up questions and theories with her contradictory actions and behaviors. When we meet her in the series, she is indisputably the head of the kitchen. It's the Amberlin, Swan Sanche, that gives her the formal title, Mistress of the Kitchens, and it's easy to file her away as someone of little importance until she proves us wrong. 
She is a mystery of unknown nationality and highly speculated history. With spoon in hand and an apron large enough to make three novice dresses <laughs> wrapped around her considerable bulk, she dominates the kitchen of the White Tower, overseeing cooks and servants as well as novices and accepted sent for punishment or just taking their turn working in the kitchens. While she is stern, she is fair, and her heart is as big as her apron. She ref she refuses to be a part of breaking any novice's spirit and does her best to protect any woman she feels is being dealt with too harshly. Lars is shrewd and more politically savvy than most people give her credit for. So good. So good. Yeah. So good? Cool. Thanks. <laughs> I think one of the things that sticks out for me is so often when we see her in the kitchens, she's said to be wielding her wooden, wooden spoon like a scepter. And I love how yeah. regal this makes her sound. I mean, for just mm -hmm. this, you know, big, stout, large woman, and she's got this wooden spoon, and she's, you know, just like mm -hmm. ruling over the kitchens like she's the queen. And I love it. Yeah. Me too. Like, I mean, even when the, the, the Amerlin seems to unsettle her a little bit, but I don't think many of the other Aes Sedai do. But it could just be swan <laughs> that's true <laughs> she's kind of an intimidating person i have i have something to note on that later but yeah um oh good. yeah yeah this is still our spoiler free recap yeah or not recap deep dive sorry <laughs> <laughs> too used to the recap apparently yeah. but she's she also seems, like, really well at assigning, like, kitchen chores to the novices. So it kind of seems mm -hmm. like when they are misbehaving, they kind of get mm -hmm. sent down to Laris for kitchen duty. Mm -hmm. Yeah, gross kitchen duty. It sounds yeah. awful anytime it's talked about. And I think there's even, <laughs> I think at some point in the book, Swan mentions something or other to the effect of, no one would listen to the Amerlin if she was scrubbing floors or something to that nature and how yeah. the seat needs to have this, you know, high regalness to it. And we see later on this actually happens in the series. So mm -hmm. <laughs> kind of interesting. Very. Yeah. But and she like, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go, 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 go. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, her, her ability to, like, keep all of those things organized and oversee it, like, I know we already kind of touched on that, so I probably don't need to get into it, but it's a big job to do what she does. A big job and... for a big lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, she's totally got this under control, and it's, you know, how does she get this experience? How does she know how to mm -hmm. do this? What is her background anyway? So, yeah, yeah that's... She's She has a big job on her hands. Big job. Um, if we go in chronological order, mm -hmm. if we're starting, if we're doing the books in mm. order with time, um, Laris is first mentioned in New Spring. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of interesting because here we learn that she is quite pretty. Mm -hmm. She's described as being in her middle years, short and plump, but more than pretty. Mm -hmm. And it's always noted that her apron is spotless. I love that. Yeah, How does I know. she do that? Right? Is that magic? My apron is always a fucking mess. Maybe she has a Tarangriol where it's like Scotch Garden. 
one. <laughs> right? <laughs> Maybe. But what's what's funny, though, is in New Spring, she's attempting to usher Swan and Moraine out of the dining hall. And she does it just by, like, clenching her fists and putting mm-hmm. them on her hips and then scowling <laughs> at them. And even Swan, who can stand up to just about anyone, has trouble meeting her eyes. Mm-hmm. So Moraine says... No accepted was ever fool enough to come over high-handed with Laris, at least not more than once. And she <laughs> said that Laris could frown a hole through a stone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. But yeah, I mean, regardless of how stern she is depicted, it's usually offset by small acts of kindness that we see mm-hmm. from her. And mm-hmm. she takes part in some major plot points later on mm-hmm. in the books, which kind of adds to her mysteriousness Mm -hmm. because her past is completely unknown. Yeah. Which it makes her even more intriguing. Yeah. Because you can kind of just speculate about where she came from. I love that part. And this this actually, the next thing that we were going to talk about comes from the Wiki Wheel of Time page. And I really like this description of her because I think... I think it gives her a nod of respect that she's sometimes lacking. Um, Lars is a seemingly stubborn and harsh woman. This, combined with the common and ignorant perception that stout people are stupid, has led many to underestimate her. Lars is, in fact, politically skilled, highly intelligent, deeply trustworthy, and extremely fair-minded. She does not retain a punishment for any reason whatsoever, but refuses to allow one to go on for too long. That's so nice. Yeah, and I really love how it's talked about that she's politically savvy. Mm -hmm. And it really makes you wonder, like, who is she? Mm -hmm. Where is she from? Mm -hmm. Is she Kyrianan? Is she, you know... A Which Des I mean, Mar expert or something, or you know, that would make. I mean, f- her being from Kyrian would make a lot of sense, especially like if we're talking about in New Spring, where like Moraine is trying to teach Swan about politics because Swan was, excuse me, Swan was a like daughter of a dock worker, right, or a fisherman. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, her idea of politics was, like, she had no idea. And Yeah, so Swan for... was, like, street smart. But exactly. But with, like, politicking something that would be done royally, mm-hmm. <laughs> not in her wheelhouse. Exactly. But Lara seems to have this awareness of what's happening inside the tower that feels like she's kind of, like, got her finger on, like, the pulse of what's happening, you know? And she would only be able to really pick those things up if she was, if she was politically savvy, if she Mm -hmm. were capable of like pulling those things out. Like we see how there are people who don't pick up on things like that at all throughout the series, but to like to purposely put that she is, she has this political skill, I think just makes her all the more fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe from Kyrian, that's actually a really good idea. It's a possibility. Yeah, but I there, hadn't really I mean, thought about that. I I really I don't really see her as someone like in the Borderland culture. Mm, no, me neither. The only person that I would say she reminds me of is Satala, who 
we find an Abu Dar. She's the owner of I, I can't remember the inn. It's like a wandering woman or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah Satala Anan. Mm-hmm. She's the only one that she kind of reminds me of mm-hmm. just because she's kind of like the head of this household and she has that same kind of demeanor mm-hmm. where like don't talk down to me or I'll, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> she means business. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe she could be from Abu Dhar also, but, it, you know, there's so much to speculate on. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't really see her like carrying around a marriage knife though. I don't know. Maybe not a Budar. Yeah, Who but she say? could have she could have given that up as a way to um kind of like per- fit in. Yeah, like prevent people from knowing her background. Like if you wear a marriage knife like they do in a Budar, then you kind of give away exactly where you're from. So not wanting people to know where you had come from she could have just taken on whatever clothing custom was in the mm-hmm. White Tower. And really, I don't think anything is ever said about what kind of clothing she wears other than the fact that she wears an apron. So, yeah. I mean, I can't really see her in, like... <laughs> I did find... Um, I might be able to find it and look it up at one point. But we do get, I think, a description of her clothes and... Mm. If I can find it, I will let you know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I I almost think she gives off a vibe like she could be someone like lesser nobility just because of her mm-hmm. political savviness. Mm-hmm. And I could almost see her staying in the tower as, I don't know, like maybe she's... Maybe she was an Aes Sedai and burn, burned herself out or something and just stays in the tower as a way to keep working and having some type of duty mm-hmm. to push on. But it's it's interesting. It's, it's hard to speculate with her. It, it could be anything. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, to anyone that's listening, if you have a theory, like, mm-hmm. please let us know. We love this type of stuff, and it's mm-hmm. so much fun to mm-hmm. try and, you know, <laughs> put your finger on. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. Um, and then what, what I like about Lars as well is how often it's commented on how pretty she was in her youth. The Wheel of Time companion says, Lars was a beauty in her youth. At the time of the Isle War, she was plump, but later became more than merely stout, with layers of chins and a spotless white apron that could have made three novice dresses. See? That's what they said. That wasn't on me. That was them. (laughs) She thought of herself (laughs) she thought of herself as once having been a foolish girl doing foolish things and near to getting herself hanged sometimes. What? What? Hanged? What was she doing? Okay. So. (laughs) Yeah. What? It's. It almost. Okay. So she sounds super mischievous. I'm Mm -hmm. getting throwbacks to New Spring where we've got some pranks going on and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But. To get hanged, you have to have done something pretty, Seriously? pretty terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking like this is not a mice in the bed prank. Like, no. Consequence. This is. 
So what was she doing? Who was she involved with? Like, she's got all of these skills and she's done something where she admittedly says that she's done things that, you know, right. sometimes would have gotten her hanged, which makes it seem like it was more than one time that it happened. Yeah, and if they're talking about her, okay, they bring up the fact that it, it, they say during the time of the IU Award, that's New Spring. Mm-hmm. And that's when it's, you know, written out that she's more than just pretty, but she's also plump. Mm-hmm. Um, so did she show up at the tower around that time? Because that's the first time we're getting, like, a description of her. Mm-hmm. And maybe they just didn't include her until then because that's when she showed up. Or has she actually been working in the tower for much longer than that? I would almost, I would almost bet longer. Just because, like, to get to the head of a kitchen, you probably have to work your way to that position, maybe? I don't know. I don't know how the hiring process is done yeah. for the White Tower. <laughs> I, could almost, I could almost see her as someone who was, like, lesser nobility and as they mentioned that she's pretty mischievous, doing foolish things, almost getting herself hanged. Maybe she did something terrible and that was like punishment. Like they put her in the tower and they said, here you go. You're going to work in the kitchens. And her mm-hmm. having like nobility be like, okay, I'm going to tell you what to do. I'm going to tell you what to do. And they were like, oh, actually, you're great at this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're hired. Stay here. You're hired. Huh. Yeah, you know, I mean, like if she's, if she's almost getting herself hanged hung (laughs) maybe this is some type of punishment for her i don't know it just it's such a it really just like sparks off all kinds of thinking like part of me is like was she part of a bonnie and clyde duo (laughs) was she like was she off on a on a robbing spree through the westlands at some point like what was she doing why isn't she married or anything why doesn't she have kids that's a good question is she in hiding? Is she? Mm-hmm. Does she have a different identity now? Is she a runaway from something terrible? I feel, in some ways, I definitely lean towards that she's hiding from something. Mm-hmm. Like that's I don't know. That's just and even like before looking at the theories that we found online, that's kind of been the feeling that I started picking up from her. Like the further you got into the books and realized like the things that she's capable of doing and the things that she ends up doing. Like, I, I don't know. It just makes you think about her differently than you might have otherwise. Um, and for all of the mentions of, you know, foolish girl doing foolish things, we, you know, we find out how trustworthy she is. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Um, which is something that we'll definitely get into Yeah. a little later on because there's just, oh gosh, she's just... Dear Laris. <laughs> Dear Robert Jordan. Good point. Good point. <laughs> thank you, Robert Jordan. That sounds so weird sometimes, but I mean, seriously, thank you, Robert Jordan. Like, I've always been like a reader. If I got in trouble as a kid, my mom would take books away from me. Like, <laughs> that's awful. <laughs> I know, isn't that terrible? <laughs> But it's true because she knew it was, like, the thing that hit me the hardest. Like, if I am, I mean, I love my mother. Parenting is hard. (laughs) She made several mistakes, as have I as a parent. So 
No judgment. Parenting is just sometimes a real shit job. Anyway. Why doesn't Loris have a family? Why doesn't she have kids? Because, I mean, that seems I, really common I in, just this, now, in this particular I, world. I've never thought of this. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Or... Okay, we'll, we'll get back to this. We'll get back to this. <laughs> so I want I wanted to ask you something. Yeah. So when you picture Loras, Loras, and you think about if she was on the TV show, who would be your fan cast of Loras? Okay. Who do you so see her as? I actually have a couple answers to this question, maybe more than a couple. Okay. Um, so this was so in, hard for me. This actually to think was of one. really hard. So the the <laughs> problem with this is that there are not very many what would be classified as plus sized actresses, and mm-hmm. I use the quotation marks because I really do not like Believe or appreciate in, yeah. the idea of plus size. It just seems kind of anyway. Um, and so there aren't very many actresses that we see frequently that would play a woman who has multiple chins and uh, like this big body. The first person that comes to mind, <laughs> this is, have, do you watch American Horror Story? Some of them I've seen. Okay. So in Carnival, like I think it's the fourth season, it's the, the Carnival, oh, Freak Show, that's what it is. And they have a fat lady because that's what freak shows used to have. Um, Her size and even like her face shape and everything is kind of what I picture Laris, only she's much too young to actually play Laris. Huh? Yeah. Are you okay? I'm looking online. Oh, okay. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, I'm glad that you are. Um, I think if she were a little bit younger or older, and I mean, that was the other problem that I was having was like finding. Oh, oh, oh. okay. I think I, I think I know this actress from another show. Yes. Um, what is she? She had some show somewhere where she was kind of like swapped bodies for something but her name is Angela Bassett and she's really pretty mm-hmm. really she really pretty. is yeah um which but is, I mean you know what's weird though is that you have her from American Horror Story I actually have someone that was on American Horror Story too I believe do you um was Kathy Bates not on that season as well is the bearded yeah. woman? Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have Kathy Bates down. <laughs> I thought about her as well. But I was like, they'd have to pad her more. I mean, I guess they could get away with using her, but she just doesn't. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, Lars is a large woman. And it mm-hmm. was really hard to find, like, actresses that were large. Um, so I also thought about Brittany Young and... Again, she's possibly too young, but she's one of the actresses on Glow, uh, Netflix's, Netflix's show about uh, lady wrestler, wrestlers. And if you haven't watched it, you should watch it because it's really funny. Um, and there are just some really good moments in that show that, like, my heart just... She's really pretty, too. Ooh, yep. yeah. Yeah. 
But like she she has like almost that tough but smart sensitive appeal about her. Mm-hmm. Um but again, she's probably too young to play Lars cuz I'm picturing Lars like in the 40 50 range if not a mm-hmm. little bit older. Um but I like that authoritative feel to Brittany Young. Um the ne- <laughs> The next person I picked out is Octavia Spencer. Um, okay, I'm looking her up. Yeah, <laughs> she. I haven't. I haven't seen her in a lot of the things that she's been in, but I did see her in Hidden Figures. <gasps> yes, right. Some um, a friend of mine fan cast her as Varen. Ooh, ooh, I could see that too. Can you see her as a brown? Yes. Yeah, and I mean that was one of the things that made me think about her is like she has, she has an authoritative feel, but she also has kind of that sensitive feel. She has that smart, savvy feel, like, and she's gorgeous, and like, she's beautiful. I'm not gonna lie, she's beautiful. Like, I mean, she's not somebody that you would say she was pretty when she was younger. You would just say she's pretty. Yeah. Um and so like, and it, but and I think she's fifty. So like the age is is closer to what I would I would mm-hmm. see as being Alaris age, um, and what I love about this as well is she's she's in a Netflix original show right now that is on it's called Self Made it's about Madam C J Walker uh, who was the first female millionaire in the United States and she became this millionaire by making and selling products for black women in America. And I think that that's really fun, and I really want to watch it. Just saying. The more that I look at her, the more I'm feeling it. Right? I like her. Me too. And my last choice is kind of an off-the-wall one for for me. At least I think so a little bit. Uh, Queen Latifah. (laughs) (gasps) Oh, yeah. Because, like, think Chicago, the movie... And mm-hmm. she plays, like, the the head female warden of the prison. And she's got that, like... That authoritative, like, savvy, don't, don't F with me. sexy, like, I don't know. I just, I, I feel her for that role, too. But I, I don't know on any of the ones that I've chosen how realistic any of them would be. But that's why it's fan casting. It's, yeah. This so is really hard because she... The way she's described in the books, it's really hard to find an actress that you know of offhand that fits mm-hmm. her description. Mm-hmm. But for me, I kind of went with, okay, I went with Kathy Bates. Mm-hmm. Just because, I don't know, I, I she's always got kind of an attitude, you know? She's kind of like spunky and I like that. And I kind of get that vibe from Loras, you know? She's yep. clever, savvy, spunky. And she's not, you know, in her 20s. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And then for my next pick, this is, I think, how I saw her in my head as I was reading her. Mm -hmm. But Leslie Nicole, who plays um, Mrs. Patmore from Downton Abbey, the the cook. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's really good. Yeah. That's really good. We should make like a, a photo thing. Yeah. To put on Instagram and Twitter. We can do the... that. We can do that, definitely. 
Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, it was just, you know, automatically she's the head of the kitchen in Downton Abbey and how how we talk about Laris with kind of ruling with her wooden spoon. That's just kind of how I see Mrs. Patmore. She's always telling everyone what to do and she's always taking charge. Yep. And she's always kind of depicted as a little bit harsh, but when mm-hmm. you the more you get to know her, the more you can see she has a really like soft heart and Yeah. Ooh, that's such a good choice. That's such a good choice. I like it a lot. Thanks. Yeah. And then um, my next Fuan cast is a total wild card. And I don't <laughs> – so I'm going to – I'll take you through my process of how <laughs> oh, I came do. to this. I, I'm, I can't wait. Okay. So I was thinking if the show does include her, uh-huh. it's possible that her size won't matter at all. You know, yeah. like they could just cast anyone. It's true. They could – You know, it doesn't have to match exactly what the books say. Exactly. But when I was thinking of the fact of how often she was referred to as a beauty in her youth and just Mm -hmm. how she's, you know, she's aged from the time we see her in New Spring up until, Mm -hmm. you know, what is she in the Great Hunt? Uh, I don't remember. But. Yes. Yes, she is. Great Hunt. Um. So she's obviously aged a lot, and I was thinking of actresses who I just thought are, like, beauties of their youth, and mm-hmm. the one that came to my mind was Angelica Houston. <laughs> Ooh! Oh, fuck yes! Ooh! Oh my god! Because she has that kind of mysterious air to her. Do you know what I'm saying? I can't saying? tell you how much I love this. <laughs> I love Angelica Houston. So do I. I love her. Okay, sorry. Um, but yes. I mean, oh, can you... <laughs> I can just imagine her being kind of this kind of mysterious but authoritative, but still mm-hmm. when you look at her, everyone knows Angelica Houston. If you mm-hmm. see if you see a picture of her, you're just like, yeah, like she's mm-hmm. a babe, right? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. That was kind of just, I think, of her in, what was it, Adam's Family? Yeah. Adam's Family? Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. That's that's someone who I think of when I think of someone, like, who is super, super hot. Yeah. And now she's just this, like, stately actress, and she's mm-hmm. still very, like, handsome, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I could see her kind of being this mysterious, questionable character mm-hmm. that you second oh, guess yes. i love it i love your choices i love Thanks. your choices Ooh, ooh, i love that now i'm just gonna like that's who i from now on larson my head is gonna be angelica houston <laughs> and i love it i love it i mean part part of me like part of me feels like you need like the the heavier version of Laris simply because it's almost her disguise. Yeah. Like no one expects her to be smart. Yeah. Because like in the Wheel of Time wiki page it says, you know, people kind of underestimate her because she's they've... large. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like 
there are remarks about her throughout the book about like how lightly she moves for someone who's her size which is also very mysterious exactly so like part of me feels like you need it but at the same time those are little things that are like in the book that if they stayed in Mm -hmm. the book and didn't get into the series it wouldn't break my heart because I I personally believe that you need to leave some of the series to the readers so that people go from the show to the books looking for more and getting it so like cast Lars however you want but I really love the choices that you've come up with and I think you've got some good ones too yeah I I really had fun trying to like kind of think of who she would be and then like looking into it and it really is kind of disappointing I mean social commentary I guess but it's kind of disappointing how few body sizes we have choices of when it comes to the people that we see on the screen and I have that's what I wanted to say too I agree 100% and yeah it would be really nice to see someone cast who isn't super tiny (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. not everyone is very tiny but exactly it it would be nice I mean Mm -hmm. it would be nice and I think too with how thing with how people have been cast so far in the wheel of time I'm loving that it's very diverse I agree and yeah if they want to have people with different body shapes in there heck yeah like that would be great to see yeah, because, I mean, how often is someone described as being, you know... A wine cask on legs. <laughs> <laughs> Men. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and I mean, Varen is always described as being, like, plump. And, like, there are people mm-hmm. who are, like, you know, she's... Grendel is, plump, Grendel is plumply pretty, pretty. or something. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, like... Jordan does a good job of, like, putting all of those different body types into the series, and I appreciate it, and I would just love to see that on the the episode. And I, I, think, it's, I think it's really important that whatever content is being made right now should start, and I mean, this is me, and I'm a little bit progressive, but I believe that what we see should reflect societies that we live in, and mm-hmm. we can't. We can't keep pushing people aside because they don't fit whatever the weird idea of perfect is. Like, that's just... It feels so old-fashioned. It just feels so old-fashioned. And when you look at at things, too, you look at people that are on YouTube, you look at social media, and it's still... You see such a wider range of people that are... You know, that are still well known, but it Mm -hmm. still hasn't really hit, you know, TV series and movies as Mm -hmm. much as it could have. Mm -hmm. And two, it's hard because a lot of the times if someone's described as like plump or curvy or something, you just see, okay, a really thin woman, but with like really big boobs and hips. And you're like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is not plump, but <laughs> but okay. I mean, yeah. I guess that I mean it's still curves. Cool, that's good. Right. But diversity in all ways would be awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it would be yeah. nice. It would be nice. Yeah, I agree. We are at. I was just gonna say 
Yep. Is uh, it that time? I think it's break time. Okay. Let's do cool. break time. So we will be back in just a moment. Yes. And do I'm going to leave everything me? going. Yes, of course I do. What's a good pie for Christmas? Oh, I don't know. Does, does pecan pie work? Mm, yes. You think? For me, pies are Thanksgiving and Christmas is cookies. So, yeah. like, I, I make a pumpkin and an apple pie for Thanksgiving, and then I just make a bunch of different kinds of cookies and, like, sweet things for Christmas and put out, like, like basically what has now become a charcuterie board, but mm. really it's just cheese and crackers. <laughs> Maybe I'll just make Rice Krispie treats and put, like, red and green frosting on them. <laughs> Boom. Absolutely. Holidays. Here you go, bitches. Or mint chocolate. <laughs> I could do mint chocolate. Mm-hmm. Rice Krispies. That would be good. I usually do, like, so for me for Christmas, I do regular chocolate chip cookies because I make bomb chocolate chip cookies. I like it's, the double, double chalk. That's what I do. I'll do a double chocolate and I will break up uh, candy canes and mix it in with, Ooh. like, a little bit of peppermint. That's and then what's you, up. It's so good. So when you bake it, the candy canes kind of melt into the cookies. And so when you bite into it, it's not like a big crunch of like hard candy. Mm -hmm. It's just like a little crispy and it's so fucking good. And they're real pretty too. They're real good. You're just making me really hungry. (laughs) I'm (laughs) sorry. Well, and it's perfect too because it's Laura's day. It is. It is. I mean, we love food. Most of the people that we interact with heavily and discord love food so i just i feel like we can't go wrong talking about food today and it is like it's the holidays and this is what i'm like baking all the time i would have been baking so much more had i not been feeling so crappy but that's totally off topic but yeah like there's just i have like little traditions around things that i make and i like it and i'm excited to spend damn it this lighting. What's wrong? Well, oh. the lighting is driving me crazy. It does really wash you out. I'm nothing. <laughs> you can't even see my eyes. I can, yeah, I can almost see your eyes. <laughs> Scary. Oh, wait, like, hold on. I saw, like, a nice cheekbone for a second. Mm-hmm. You do have lovely cheekbones. Why, thank you. You're welcome. I've always thought so. <laughs> it's true. I when I don't know if I've said this on our podcast or not, but uh, when I first met you, like when we were first working at Lush, I was like, oh, my God, that's the coolest girl I've ever seen. And I'm <laughs> never going to be friends with her because I'm such a dork. <laughs> no. And then when you started, I was like, thank God that I have someone cool to work with. <laughs> like someone that's not gonna make make us listen to cotton eyed joe on repeat (laughs) god that was so bad you remember you you brought like your cd book in i think and i was like yes 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 (laughs) (laughs) yeah like for you and me music's like it's been a thing like music and books it seems like has been and lush and perfumes and drinking tea and coffee and tea and coffee good wines like mm-hmm. aw the things that friendships are made of because I mean I think and like, now look at us I know right 
like when you sent me that that tenderoni text message <laughs> from like 10 years ago yeah yeah it was just like you're my tenderoni <laughs> and we had just talked about that with we had just talked about it on our forsaken episode and i was like <laughs> It just—it's so I don't know. I am really grateful for the friendships that I've I have that have lasted for as long as our friendship has. And like, hurry, I'm, let's talk about Lars and let's be grateful for our friendship because it's holiday it's that season. Time. It's yeah, that time. Yeah, yeah. Grateful. Oh, lush days. Yeah, I could go on forever. Okay, I know, okay. right? Focus. I know. Focus. Okay. We are going to talk more about Loras, and this is still going along with the TV show, and we Mm -hmm. did our fan cast, and Mm -hmm. now I want to talk about whether we think that they will actually have a Loras. Are we moving into spoiler territory now? We are. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Turn back now. You don't want to be spoiled. Exactly. I always look forward to this part because sometimes, like, especially on days when I have a million things bouncing around in my head, it's so hard to be like, no, 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 don't say that, don't say that, don't say that. Yeah. And I don't want to overuse our sensor beeper, even if it is funny when we do use it. (laughs) At least I think it's funny. If anyone else finds it annoying to their ears, I get it, but I still think it's funny. (laughs) So what do you think? I think I, maybe I'm biased. I think we need her. I think, yes, I feel as though in some ways she is, she is a steady hand in the white tower without holding what would be considered a position of power by the Aes Sedai there. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I like that because she's not an Aes Sedai, yet she mm -hmm. still has her own role that's very important that has nothing to do with people that can channel. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, she holds the respect and obedience of many of the the young women who come to her for Mm -hmm. either punishment because they're supposed to be there for like whatever their chore duties are. Um, I think it would be interesting to have a character that's not an Aes Sedai that, like you said, that holds power because when we get to see Swan as the Aes Sedai, how cool would it be if we get, like, a side shot of some novices, like, scrubbing down a stove with Mm -hmm. Laris kind of in the background just to show what the novices have to go through. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, they could do that anyway, like someone just scrubbing a floor or, Mm -hmm. you know – doing laundry or breaking something. in the in the garden yeah yeah like pulling that. weeds or whatever mm-hmm. but I really like the idea of having someone like you said that's not an Aes Sedai holding a position of power within the tower mm-hmm. and I mean Lars plays and I'm sure you could find a way to write her out of this in the show oh but yeah she plays she plays a key role in Swan and Leanne and Min's escape from the White Tower. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, at that point, Min is kind of in hiding, you know? Yeah. I, I think she's, El- this she's kind still of- Elmindrida at this point. 
Yeah. And everyone just thinks she's, like, a fluff cake, you know? Yeah, who's, like, trying to decide who she wants to marry. Yeah. And, like, Laris has taught her how how to put on makeup and, like, how to... Do her hair and how to be presentable and how to... Yeah. 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 And so, like, I... We we do need... We do need that extra character to get Swan and Leanne out. Out of the cells in in the tower after they've been stilled. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And... Could that escape happen without her in the show? Yeah, I'm sure they could find a way to write that. They could find a way, but I don't know if it would make as much sense because, like, they could have Gawain or Galad or something assist, but that -hmm. doesn't quite go along with their characters. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, I mean, like, Gawain at one mm -hmm. point kind of assist them by getting the horses but he's not in there sneaking them out like he didn't have that big a hand because he's still he's a very um glad and gallon or well gallon at that point what had like led the younglings through the tower and they were basically in control of the tower so he i mean i i think he did play a huge part in them being able to escape just by writing that like no, to get them. that gets them past the guards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel like that's. But I so feel like if it was him physically, like unlocking the cells, mm-hmm. that would be too much. Like yeah, he helped them. He didn't actually get them out of the cells. He just mm-hmm. let them leave Tarvalin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, he was off killing warders. So right. he, I mean, he, he, didn't... he had made his side. Like he had mm-hmm. picked a side. So yep. at that point, it wouldn't make sense for him to d- go double back and then mm-hmm. undo everything that he just did. Yeah. So that's, like, I feel like she's necessary there. And then I also feel as though um, with Egwene, like, when Egwene gets captured and is being held in the tower and the way that Lars tries to, like, sneak her out, And it was just that moment of support from someone where Mm -hmm. I think it kind of gives Egwene that it prepares her mentally because she could leave, she could take Mm -hmm. the out, but that's when she, like, takes a firm stance and she's like, no, I'm not Mm -hmm. leaving. Nope. And so she's given this opportunity, but, I mean, what would they do? Just have some random gardener be like, oh, by the way, here's an (laughs) unlocked door, you know? Like, it wouldn't... It, it wouldn't be as powerful or an impactful moment, I don't think. Yeah. And I mean, I think she is a small enough but large enough character that it just doesn't, it doesn't hurt to leave her in, but it could possibly hurt to leave her out. I agree. And so I, I feel, I feel that she is integral to, to the show. But again, I'm biased. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. I mean... There, there are a lot of characters where I could just be like, I don't know, Axum, I guess. There's still ways Savannah. around it. But- Sorry. <laughs> Fuck you, Savannah. I hate you. You're the worst. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there, I mean, there's small ways, and they obviously can't put every single character into the show. Right, but yeah. Laris, I feel like, is kind of a 
she's important because as small as she is, she keeps popping up and she does Mm -hmm. as, as little that we have on her. She shows up in major situations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I agree. Like Mm -hmm. in the end there with Mm -hmm. Fahil, like very important, but we can, we can get into that. And just go ahead. So, yeah, we both say Lara stays. <laughs> Laris is in. <laughs> Keep Laris in. Keep Laris in. I'm an American. We like chanting, right? <laughs> What's a good hashtag? Uh, hashtag. Leave Laris in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> leave Laris in. Okay. I, like, I I would like to see her in it. And I really like our fan casting that we've done. So now I feel even more strongly about yes <laughs> about having her there and maybe choosing one of can the they afford to have angelica houston in like know. five seconds worth of screen time i don't know would i, I like it. to see it yes yes <laughs> yes i would maybe wouldn't it be it, maybe she's a big robert jordan fan none of us know about it she's yeah, like hell yeah right. i'll be in it right. <laughs> all that free time for reading she had to do while she was an actress i'm Sure, she was reading Robert Jordan novels, right? You heard it here now. The next theory. Angelica Houston, undercover, Wheel of Time fan, confirmed. Uh, yep. But I think, okay. So, okay, so starting out, her main interactions are, I would say, mostly with men. Mm-hmm. We do get moments where, in the beginning, Elaine and Nynaeve are being reprimanded. And And Egwene. And at the same mm-hmm. time, <laughs> Swan is trying to pull them aside and make an excuse to talk to them so mm-hmm. that they can have, like, a secret meeting. But she does it mm-hmm. under the guise of they're being punished at the moment. Mm-hmm. And... Laris is still in the room kind of when this is going on and it's very awkward because the girls don't know how they're supposed to act because they don't know what Swan is actually trying to get them you know pulled to the side for yeah and then Laris ends up washing um their mouths out with soap I don't remember which one was it do you remember (laughs) no I think it's Egwene and Elaine We'll find out when we reread for the recap. Yeah, I think it's Equine <laughs> and Elaine, and then Swan pulls Nynaeve in, and then that's when they're like, oh, by the way, like, you are, I'm putting you to work. <laughs> You're mm-hmm. going to be my secret spies, so. Yeah, but, like, Lars is just kind of in the background there for that mm-hmm. particular scene. Like, yeah. she's not, like, there is, like, that interaction between her and the Amarillin, and I believe that's when... Swan does give her the official title title of Mistress of the Kitchens. Because, mm-hmm. like, up until that point, it was just kind of, like, an informal title. Mm-hmm. And not, like, a joke, but just, like, that's the way she ran her kitchen. Right. So that's the name that she was given. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like, that's that's where her interaction fades out. And I think that that's one of the reasons why she can be so easily overlooked in that first mm-hmm. interaction is it's it's just easy. It's kind of just easy to overlook her in that yeah. moment. But then later on with, like, everything that happens with her and men, like, I just love that. I 
I love the way that Lars behaves towards Lynn and like Min in this protective like Min says something she's like about a, how she's like, like this like, mother hen character you know yeah I like how she's taken her under her stout wing kind of mm-hmm. thing um and then Lara steps in to help Min release Leanne and Swan after they've been stilled, stilled. and imprisoned yeah, and I mean, she didn't have to do that. Mm-mm. She chose to do it because she had been looking out for men because she was afraid that Elmendretta might be in trouble. Mm-hmm. And then Min talks her into it, and there's... And there's, like, I think there's a little bit of an excitement there because yeah. Laris has always talked about of being kind of um, mischievous in a way, mm-hmm. and that's why... When all of this starts going down, I think she sees herself in men, and then she sees all this action going on, and she just can't resist, you know, not so much just, like, getting in on the action, but doing the right thing in the process Mm -hmm. of being a part of this Mm -hmm. escape. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's she's a pretty cool character. Mm Mm-hmm. I love the quote from uh, The Shadow Rising where she says, Oh, Elmendretta, you do remind me of me when I was your age. Foolish doings and near to getting myself hanged sometimes. I will not betray you, child, but I must live here. And like, what if, what if Laris, because she was such a babe, had like <laughs> two guys, like two nobles fighting over her, fighting over her. and caused some massive disrupt within like a noble family or something and then had to go run to the tower and hide (laughs) and hide there as their mistress of kitchens yeah yeah i don't know there are so there are so many things that could have led her there and it's it's so fun to speculate around where she's been um so she's there with men was there anything else on men that we wanted to mention no i think that covers it you know she they were just they were really kindred spirits together, and yeah, yeah. and that's I, where we—that's where we get the most time with Laris. I would say mm-hmm. throughout the whole I, series. I agree. I agree. Um, her interaction, and then her like admonishing Swan and Leanne to look after men, and she's like, right. "You do anything to harm this girl, I'll come find you." you. Yeah, you've got <laughs> me to deal with. Like, see what I mean? Though she's. Okay, Swan up until that point was the Amerlin. And mm-hmm. then we have someone who's essentially a kitchen worker saying to the ex Amerlin, like, oh, and by the way, like, mm-hmm. I will hunt you down if yeah. you do anything to hurt her. So, seriously, who is Laris? Like, she, she is not someone to mess with. Mm mm. And now, and now that you've mentioned Angelica Houston, that's who I see <laughs> towering over. <laughs> because I mean, can't she's so she's so tall, she's so stately, she's so couldn't, like yeah. Couldn't you see her? I mean, making an Amerlin quake, I could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just love that. I love it so much. Um, and then we have her her interaction with Egwene that happens in the Gathering Storm. And that's and this, book 12. Yeah, so and we jump from when, what? Yeah, this is quite a bit later. <laughs> yeah, like you've almost kind of forgotten about her at this mm-hmm. point. 
you know, like when I mentioned her, (laughs) when I mentioned her to Andrew, he was like, who? You know, because he's only on, I think he's on book five right now. So he's. My gosh, he's he's flying through. I know, right? He was like, what if I finish the series before you? I was like, no way will that happen. (laughs) Like, so now I'm like flipping through the books as fast as I can to get to the end, which feels kind of funny because like, I feel like I'm racing towards the end for multiple reasons, but now it's like my competitive streak. It's like, I'm finishing first. Thankfully, he still loves me despite my competitive (laughs) nature. He, he he appreciates how graciously I lose to him all the time playing board games. That's really what it comes down to. <laughs> Are you a gracious loser? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Especially in board games. I wasn't games. sure if you were it. being sarcastic. Oh, no, no, totally. If we, like, if we play Settlers of Catan... Like, love I don't know if, of Catan. Okay, good. So I, I'm totally the person that's like, oh, I'll trade with you. That's cool. And like, I'll put the thief on like the thing that I like. I'll put it on a twelve or a two, because it's like the thing that will barely get rolled. And so I don't really, because I don't feel like depleting the resources of the people around me. We don't need to get into how I play Catan. <laughs> oh, can we have a Wheel of Time game night? Anyone Ooh. out there? Settlers Catan. I do love Hello. Catan. Hello. Well, um, and the other the other game we've been playing a lot is Mystic Veil, and you can get that as the computer version as mm-hmm. well. And so over the summer, what we would do is we would have Simon friends doesn't, come over. Simon doesn't know, but I bought him the new Settlers of Catan that's not out yet. Well, I oh, pre-ordered so it exciting. For, Christmas, for a Christmas gift. Oh, that's so sweet. What a nice present. Well, it's kind of a uh, present to myself, too, so. Right, but whatever. It works. I love that. Okay, um, okay. Back so to not Back Laris. to, not, <laughs> yes, not Settlers of Catan, not Mystic Vale. So, if you guys yeah. haven't played that, play it. At this point, Laris is basically, she's kind of, like, looking out for Egwene, and Egwene's doing chores within the White yeah. Tower. Yeah, yeah. She is refusing to I guess curtsy bow to the Amerlin, which is Elida, and she's getting in all sorts of trouble. And how much do you love a queen in this moment? Yeah, this is I think how her much? <sighs> this is her this is her big love storyline for me. I'm not yeah. a huge Egwene fan, but I adored these chapters. They were mm-hmm. so much fun to read. And I felt like the book just took off. You yeah, know? Same. Like, it just, mm-hmm. things get crazy. And it's mm-hmm. it was really, really fun to read. Yeah. But Egwene is being put to work to do chores, and she's mm-hmm. being beaten a lot. Mm-hmm. And still, <laughs> yeah, she's just like getting, it hasn't let up. No, and she's kind of trying to not sabotage Elida, but she's kind of trying to work with her with what she has within the mm-hmm. tower as basically like a scullion. She's cleaning and serving people and getting mm-hmm. beaten daily. And then we have this moment with Laris mm-hmm. and Egwene. Yeah, and I, so I, f- I found this in the, in the book because this is the book that I'm reading right now. Hey. Um, yeah, it's, I'm, I think I started it, like, within the last week, easy, and I'm on Is this the escape tw- section? 
Yeah. So I'm, okay. I'm like on page 625, which is way later than this. But um, so <laughs> what I like is the description of the escape hatch. You know what I mean? So at this point, Laris has taken Egwene out of like the fireplace that she's cleaning mm-hmm. and she's led her into this back room and the book says Lara shoved aside a few sacks then pulled open a piece of the floor it it was a wooden trap door capped with shaved brickwork on the top to make it seem part of the floor it revealed a small rock-walled chamber underneath the pantry <laughs> large enough to hold a person though a tall man would be cramped so she's got this thing and then she even like explains to Egwene you're going to hang out here until nightfall. Someone will come get you. I know the guards that are so, on duty tonight. Do they does, does she say someone will like come through this tunnel to get her or she just has to hide in the tunnel? So, let's see here. She says, "I can't get you out right now, not with the tower fluttery fluttery as a yard full of hens when the fox is about. But the garbage goes out late at night and I'll hide you among the girls who unload it." A dock worker will take you to a small boat and row you across the river. I have some friends among the guard. They'll turn the other way. Once you reach the other side, it's up to you what you do. I'd advise against going back to those fools who made you their puppet. (laughs) Find some place to lie low until this all blows over, then come back and see if whoever's in charge will take you in. So she's, like, she is really, like, she's got this super planned out. Yeah. She's got connections. Egwene realizes it, like, almost instantly, and even she's like, uh, Lars looked back at her, and the woman's eyes a determination as hard as any Aes Sedai's. Egwene certainly had overlooked this woman. Who was she really? Yes! And, like, yes. I mean, this is, like, even for this being such this tiny interaction, you get all of the things about Lars where it's, like, who are you? What are you up to? Why do you have this weird trap door in the pantry? Yeah, and who is she? Who are her connections, really? Because, yeah. you know, she obviously doesn't have a family, but she knows, you know, guards and mm-hmm. whoever's coming in to, like, take the trash and whatnot can be trusted. Mm-hmm. So who are these people? Who is Laris? Who are these mm-hmm. people she has connections to? And how did they all get there? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just, like, that that moment and Egwene's recognition of who, like, she has all these questions about Laris. Like, it's just like, oh, yeah. Boom, like, boom, boom. Who are you? You yeah. just want to know. Um, and then I think, like, the next is, like, the big Varen moment. Yeah, yeah. So there is a connection with Laris during this moment where she's only mentioned. Mm-hmm. But I think it's still very important. And it's at the part in the books when Varen reveals herself to be Black Aja to Egwene. And she, <gasps> yeah. Sorry. That and, moment. And this is the moment where she drops the bomb and says, by the way, like, Masana is hiding in the tower, and I don't know who she is. Like, we don't mm-hmm. know where she is. Mm-hmm. And she's been ruling people out, and she gives a book 
to Egwene that has like all of her secret information that she's been collecting while working as a double agent in Mm -hmm. the Black Aja. So all of this is possible only because Varen doses herself with, I don't remember what it was. Was it, it's not fork root, but it's what? It's some sort of tea. That's all I remember. Well, Laris makes her a tea and then Varen puts in, Mm. I can't remember what herb or whatever it's called, but I remember it's like one drop will help you sleep the whole night. Three drops, you'll never wake up. Mm-hmm. And this is what happens. So while Varen has dosed herself and she's on her deathbed, she's able to reveal all these secrets to Egwene. Mm-hmm. And she mentions that she's like vetted Laris and that she says Laris is many things but not a dark friend. And she also tells Egwene that she should thank Loras, but she never explicitly says for what. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those big things that has been talked about and theorized and we don't know if it's just simply tell Loris thanks for brewing the tea which to me seems kind of like okay mm. yeah like, like all right uh, cool thanks yeah why right? yeah but I mean it's it's interesting because she kind of she kind of takes the time to actually say that Laris isn't a dark friend, but she's many things. So it's like, once again, we get this who the heck is she moment. Exactly. Yeah. And this is another point where like Robert Jordan didn't need to include this. Mm hmm. So I almost I almost wonder if he had something big planned without like taking a note on it. Why does Varen have a connection to Laris in the first place? Why wouldn't I die? interact with the mistress of the kitchens if she's not someone who oversees the kitchens why do they know each other i mean you know yeah it's it's almost like okay we know we know varen was trying to weed out who was dark friend within the tower Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. she 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 makes a she makes special attention to explain to Egwene that Laris is many things. Like, what the heck? Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. Why? 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 But, I yeah. mean, yeah, so there's that. And then the next big Varen moment, probably one of the most important, is her interaction with Fael, and that's in A Memory of Light. Oh, did you mean Laris? Or Laris, yeah, sorry. Yeah, okay, no, you're fine, you're fine. <laughs> I was just like, wait... <laughs> Lart or Varen, Varen's dead. She's dead. She's a ghost. <laughs> She's a ghost. <laughs> there are all kinds of ghosts coming back. So it totally could have been Varen ghost form. Uh, oh my Varen god, what a twist is... that would have been. The horn of Valir is blown and Varen comes out. <laughs> she, she's one of the heroes. Yeah. Uh, that's Confirmed. So funny. You've heard it here okay. first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Laris hands over the Horn of Valier to Fayo, right? Yeah. Um, Is that where I think that's where we were going before we got distracted with ghosts and Baron. Yeah, it's I mean, I think it's I think it's notable that 
so this is Brandon Sanderson working off of Robert Jordan's notes. So do we know for a fact that Laris is the one that was supposed to hand off the Horn of Valir to Fael? Mm -hmm. Or is this something that Brandon Sanderson was like, okay, I need someone who's been mentioned somewhere before. Who is known to be trustworthy, who is definitely not a dark friend. Right, We know that for truth. Which is probably why Egwene chose her. Right. And I think it's almost like she told, Farron told Egwene, like, to thank her. Mm-hmm. And I almost felt like it was almost like a wink, like, you can trust her, like, mm-hmm. you can thank her. She's someone, obviously, that can be in on a secret plot and not have anyone know. So she's, like, savvy, she's political, she's sneaky, she's smart, and people don't don't peg her. from her. Yeah. 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 She's not on anyone's radar. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if we have – I didn't bring that chapter up, but essentially Fael is in Tarvalin waiting for supplies, and Mm -hmm. the whole – uh, secret mission is that she's collecting Tabak for Lord Matt. <laughs> yeah. So she's with about 50 members of the band and Chafail. Oh, Chafail. Mm-hmm. I love them. And they're <laughs> supposed too. to deliver Whoa. it to Matt. <laughs> Chafail should be a topic at some point. Sorry, just got totally okay. distracted. Love that. Go ahead. Um, so Laris like secretly brings Fael the Horn of Valir and it's disguised, I think like in a chest it is. of Tabak. And yeah. Fael and her posse are to <laughs> move it out of the city. So yeah. like how random, right? Laris is in control of this whole like she Laris is keeping hold of the Horn of Valir Valir. Like, think about this. This mm-hmm. is the single most important thing, possession, mm-hmm. within the Wheel of Time. And they give it to the mistress of the kitchens. Like, that right? says a lot. I think that's... That says a lot. And if we go back to talk about, like, why we think she should definitely be in the series, mm-hmm. we have to have someone trustworthy within the tower. Mm-hmm. And that person is Angelica Houston. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sorry. No, do not be sorry for that. I love it. <laughs> but I think that's her last. Yeah, reference. I don't think she's a mention. I don't think she's mentioned again after that. So I guess we can kind of assume that you know she she survives. Yeah. Um, I thought I had it marked. I don't. Doesn't matter. Um, the interaction is just like it's really brief. But again, and that like seems all hell to be is, her thing. Yeah, all hell is breaking loose because Fael gets attacked by another bubble of evil. And mm-hmm. it's like these shards of almost like crystal, like cutting through people. And, um, you know, like she gets the tabak and they head the fuck out of there. And I just picture like Loris, like with her hands, you know, her fists on her hips. On like, her hips. Yeah, just like, wow. Yes. Guess I can go back, maybe make some bread or something. I don't know. 
Yeah, what do you do after that? Well, just hang out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, does anyone weave a gateway for her and get her back to the tower? Like, who's looking after the kitchens? Right. What's going on? (laughs) Hell, all hell. I mean, maybe nobody cares. I bet that's maybe that's where she hid the horn of Velier in her little trap door. In the the pantry. Yeah. (laughs) Under some potatoes. Yeah. Could you imagine? (laughs) No one would ever look there. No one would ever look there. You would look in the storerooms because that's where you would expect it. She's got but a trap door, though. She's got a secret hiding spot in the kitchen. She has a wooden spoon. She's unstoppable. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that was maybe that was mentioned just so that we know that she has a secret hiding place, you know? Yeah. Or not just that, because I think it's really important for Egwene's, like, character to make that decision to stay. But mm-hmm. now we also know that she's got a hiding spot. Yeah, and that she has this practiced routine mm-hmm. for getting people out of the tower. Right, because, and... yeah, she's done it before. She she mm-hmm. knows exactly what she's doing. Yep. So, okay, now we are going to talk about the Laris theories. And yeah. this first one is kind of an oldie but a goodie. Um, so back in the day, there was a theory that Masana was actually posing as Laris because mm-hmm. at the end of the gathering storm, all the Aiel had to swear on the oath rod, but Masana was never found. So mm-hmm. people believed Masana was hiding in the tower, but not as an Aes Sedai. And actually it was Laris. <laughs> and to me, this is hilarious. Um, I wasn't around on the internet these days when this was, you know, kind of a hot topic and it was Uh while everyone was waiting for the end of the books to come so there was Mm. so much to speculate or speculate and yeah people had a lot of fun with this theory but you know Brandon Sanderson later debunked this when it's revealed that Masana was actually hiding as Danella Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um you know the thought behind it is that the forsaken believe that the dark friends are actually below them so she could have sworn to not be a dark friend because technically she's actually one of the chosen mm-hmm. so there's that theory and that's mm-hmm. a really fun one but it's I like that one debunked and yeah. tracy and i have coined this one <laughs> this theory is called the half-baked cake piping pipeline theory mm-hmm and yep <laughs> and we especially love this theory like it i think we we both kind of agree on it um mm-hmm. and this theory revolves around the speculation that mistress loris is actually an agent of the kin because mm-hmm. we've seen her attempt to sneak Egwene out of the tower and she mm-hmm. seems very practiced in it and mm-hmm. it's a possibility that she's done this plenty of times before And basically helping out overworked or mistreated novices. Mm -hmm. So when she sees abuse within the White Tower, she kind of, you know, puts her foot down. And you could theorize that she's sending these young women along to the kin. Mm -hmm. So in short, we think she's kind of created a pipeline to a life that allows them to channel without restrictions. And, you know, that, like, like harshness from the white tower mm-hmm. yeah there's a in the in the gathering storm um 
I don't think, I haven't read this yet, have I? The part where she says that she won't be a part of breaking someone's spirit or whatever. Mm-mm. Oh, okay. Okay, good. So uh, this is when Laris is trying to sneak Egwene out of the tower. And she says, those beatings are shameful. Fool, I said I. I've served loyally these years, I have. But now they've told me that you are to be worked as hard as I can push you indefinitely. Well... I can see when a girl has moved away from being instructed and into being beaten down. I won't have it. Not in my kitchens. And so she definitely, yeah, she says this breaking is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. And so, like, she recognizes and she's seen it before because you don't really recognize something unless you've seen it happen. So apparently this is another one of those weird slash awful tactics that the tower uses Mm -hmm. towards their initiatives which makes it all the more sketchy of an institution so maybe thank goodness for laris yeah maybe yay she's looking out for them how many how many women has she you know has she helped yeah because we know for sure she's been there for at least 20 years if she was already there during the Isle War. Right, right. So she's so how long was she there before the Isle War like she's Mm -hmm. been there I mean a really long time and it it almost makes you wonder too like was she an Aes Sedai at one point you know is that her connection to the tower was she possibly you know um like burnt out her channeling abilities mm-hmm. like and now just sticking around in the tower is something to keep her busy is it like- I feel as though like based off of the stillings that we know about, like most, most I said I don't like to be around women that have been stilled, and most women who have been stilled seem to want to get really far away from I said I. But I think that there is like, and I think it's like a little further down in our notes, but this seems like a good place to mention it. I think someone mentioned that she's potentially a burned out member of the kin, and mm-hmm. so maybe she had been I said I ran away or something, went into the kin, got burned out, came back to the tower because then she's also familiar with the kin and their maneuvering of women who Mm -hmm. can channel. And she would be a perfect mole to put in the tower because Mm -hmm. she would have already known it and she would have already been connected to the kin. So I I think that was like one of the theories that somebody had suggested and to me that made sense. Like it, like it is a plausible. Yeah, definitely, definitely thing to have happened. I could definitely see that, and I mean, there's just you know, like we've mentioned earlier, is she some type of nobility? Mm-hmm. It there's endless possibilities. Endless possibilities. It's really fun. It's what makes her so fun. It's what makes her so fun. Yeah. There's just so much you can speculate around her. Mm-hmm. Um. So, like, in response to this, her not being able to tolerate abuse happening in Mm -hmm. the tower, she's created um, a pipeline to a life, yeah, that allows them to live um, with, like, they can live, they can still channel, but they can do it without the restrictions that the tower puts in place by escaping to the kin. Mm -hmm. So... 
I feel like that almost makes like a like a circle. Yeah. You know, Aes Sedai to kin to tower to kin. To Aes Sedai. To Aes Sedai. Yeah. Yeah. Like it just kind of like loops around. But we see that so often within these books. Exactly. It happens over and over again with the foreshadowing and how, you know, things end, end up. So. Which is how you can end up with having conversations like these that could have plausible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because that's how Jordan writes. Mm-hmm. He writes in a way that allows you to speculate on a on a fictional universe mm-hmm. with like the kind of intensity that you would for real life interactions, you know? I just Yeah. It makes it unique to me. I really enjoy it. Anyway, um, there we do have some comments and stuff pulled from Reddit where there's other mm-hmm. theories and whatnot, and um, we can just go through some of these because they're really fun. Um, yeah, this first there... one is from Fudgy VMP, and they're mm-hmm. saying. As an aside, we know Varen figured Laris out while hunting dark friends, so it was decidedly certain Laris was not one. I think Varen might have even been an accomplice in some sort in smuggling novices away, since Swan mm-hmm. indicates Varen sent overworked novices to the kitchen in the dead of night for cupcakes. Mm-hmm. And I don't ever recall hearing another Aes Sedai offering such a treat to a novice. So, mm-hmm. great observation there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, one of the comments underneath it that also included Varen says, I think this is from Cor- Horn 57 um, I just don't want to, like, not take credit for something <laughs> I didn't <Yeah>. write. <laughs> um, but they wrote, Varen might have also been trying to make sure a group of channelers existed without dark friends in case things went bad within the tower. So that's how you get strong channelers away from the tower if they are turning towards the dark while they're overworked. Which and I how, think that's so smart. Yes. How many times have we hit on this during New Spring saying, mm-hmm. this is creating an atmosphere for dark friend central. Like yep. the way that some of these people are treated is just awful. And that's how you end up with dark friends. Mm-hmm. And so yep. with Baron being this double agent, yeah, Maybe it totally could work. Maybe that's mm-hmm. why she says Laris is many things, but she is not a dark friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so she doesn't if- she doesn't out her to Egwene, mm-hmm. who is the quote unquote Amerlin, because uh-huh. if the Amerlin knew the type of things that Laris was doing, she would have to act on it mm-hmm. possibly. So, hmm. Mm-hmm. Good point. Yeah, I just I love that one. I think I think it's so smart to create something like that. Okay, and then here's another one by PLM Bob. Um, I think she is a long-lived burnout, burned-out kinswoman who found helping others to be her replacement will-to-live thing. And this was the one that I was talking about earlier. Her past mm-hmm. is legendary, unknown to any but a handful. She might very well end up bound to the horn, this turning of the wheel, or she is making that crap up. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. funny. I like it. Yeah. Uh, and then the last one that we have on here is Annex. Annex Housted 
head case. case. An exhausted head case. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I feel like right now. Right. (laughs) Yes. Um, And there says, I had a half-baked theory that she was actually the ambulance who got... I, they say drilled, but I think stilled yeah. is what they mean to say so long ago and had found a purpose to live by helping out girls who need it. Um, and then they say spot of holes here, of course, but I thought it would have been cool to reveal that. And I don't disagree. That would make sense with how stern and regal she is, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, what if she is so old that, you know, mm-hmm. like older than Cad Swain? And so yeah. no one really knows who she is. And then if she, you know, snuck away to the kin, they keep these people traveling and moving. That way no one recognizes them because they live for so long. Yep. But <clears throat> it would be it would be just like her to on all of these travels, like learning different skills and whatnot along the way, and then somehow mm-hmm. ending up back in the White Tower to mm-hmm. head the kitchens like that's mm-hmm. a pretty cool idea mm-hmm. yeah i love the theories <clears throat> around her i love that people like her enough to create <clears throat> theories around her definitely <laughs> and it's not just us so yay to everyone who has theories mm-hmm. about Lars. So that if you have any just share them with us yeah please. and i think i think my favorite is the kin one our me the- too the cake piping pipeline. I think that she definitely is practiced at helping people escape. And it mm-hmm. makes sense because if you try and think of who would do that, mm-hmm. yeah, it could just be out of the goodness of her own heart. Mm-hmm. But then that doesn't explain her shocking past. Mm-hmm. So I feel as though she would have to be someone of nobility and importance or mm-hmm. someone that's really really old and in disguise or someone that was maybe high up in the kin mhm so my my one thing that just suddenly kind of tripped me up on that is that the kin's reaction to runaways from the tower is like a level of hesitancy and uh, I don't if know. They, if they know that they're a runaway, though, because can't they? I mean, so if you look at someone like Satala mm-hmm. Anan, mm-hmm. she was an Aes Sedai. Mm-hmm. She was burned out. Mm-hmm. And when she catches Nynaeve and Elaine... Mm-hmm. She practically, like, drags them to the kin. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they're at risk for pretending to be Aes Sedai. Mm-hmm. But I think there would be ways around it. You would just have to know the right person mm-hmm. to give you an in. Mm-hmm. Because you could... You could lie all you want and be like, I've never been to the White Tower, mm-hmm. you know? But, oh, wait. Yeah, yeah. Like, but they, if you're still... They, I think that they do... Like, they are not a fan of Wilders the same way that I said I are not fans of Wilders as well. Um, 
if he just came to them with a backstory, like a pretend backstory, like this is who I am and I found out one day like I could do this, like please help, they would probably pack you off to the tower. But I think what what I'm thinking, though, is like, because as this is like still formulating through my head Mm -hmm. and we're talking about it, like if Loris is the mole from the kin, then she's kind of already put them like she's kind of already vetted them, you know, right? like it's not that they're runaways. It's that they are now women who can channel that are being beat down by the tower for not being exactly what the tower wants them to be. Right. And rather see them in a life of humiliating servitude when they Mm -hmm. could be doing other things then she sends them along to the kin okay okay i feel like good yeah like this is there she's a good girl like just take her yeah yeah which would and i mean like varen doing the same thing of like potentially choosing certain women that are like strong but on the wrong path and pushing them towards Laris to push off towards the kin where they would be safe from that influence that mm-hmm. would also make sense okay this and idea it feels stronger <laughs> it would make sense too why the kin are practically paranoid to the point mm. of they can't even look an Aes Sedai in the face you know what I mean and they're afraid to even channel in front of them mm-hmm. and it it would almost I mean, just think, if you were a runaway, like, mm-hmm. and Aes and Sedai shows up, you'd be like, oh, shit, hide, hide, hide. I can't even look at them. Please don't even look at my face. Like, mm-hmm. look at the ground. <laughs> or even even someone who had been bundled away because they were being, they were being punished to the point. Beaten? Yeah. Yeah, where it just didn't, or just put in, like, a position where it didn't matter what they did. They were always going to be, like, looked down on subjugated like something among the Aes Sedai when they could have a life where their talents could be much more useful so Mm -hmm. okay that all that all makes much more sense to me now that we've (laughs) I was like yeah we've got some we've got some pros and cons for it Mm -hmm. but I like it I feel like it's a fairly strong theory I think it's like kind of like a a nice combination of what a lot of people have thought as well so Mm -hmm. it's fun that so many have like kind of come to the the same conclusion so, yeah, if any of our listeners have theories of their own, send them to us. Mm-hmm. We will play them in an episode coming up. Be lively. Because yeah. that, like, that sounds like the kind of woman Laris is. Like, yes. Be lively. Mm-hmm. Be mischievous. Do it. <laughs> Get yourself nearly hung. Have fun. <laughs> Don't really if do someone that. someone is mean to you over the holidays, <laughs> smack them with a wooden spoon. Be like Laris. <laughs> Channel her. The world needs more more people like Laris. So cool. I think that pretty much sums up our theories on Laris. Yeah. And is there anything, Tracy, that you wanted to add before no. we wrap no. things up? I feel really good about this. <laughs> good. Me too. Cool. Um, I like it. We do have a little bit of an announcement. I will get to it, but first off, thanks so much for joining us. We will continue to release new episodes every Wednesday, and we would love if you would subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews, and share us with your friends in the Wheel of Time community. We will be taking a short break over the holidays, but don't worry because we will be right (laughs) back afterwards. So there will be new episodes to come. Yeah, yeah. 
We'll miss you guys. We'll miss you. Let us know what you thought of our content. Correct us, send us things we may have missed. You can find links to our email and social media accounts in the show notes. And if you have the Anchor app, leave a voice message for us to play in upcoming episodes. We also have a Discord channel with lots of food pictures. (laughs) (laughs) Just find us on any of our social media platforms and we can send you an invite. So until next week, thanks for joining us on the road to Tarvalon. Thank you.